Hey coach, this is Dan Tudor and you are listening to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Welcome aboard. This is, in fact, another special edition that we're doing in this time of crisis, uh, the middle of the coronavirus pandemic that we're trying to put together for coaches to give them ideas, strategies, and uh, conversations to listen to that will help them continue to build their program, to be great at recruiting, and to give them a little bit of a path forward. And today we continue that. We're going to go a little bit big picture on you, Coach. We're going to sit down and have a great conversation with Greg Earhart, who is the uh, President and Executive Director of the College Swimming and Diving Coaches Association of America. And he has some real firm ideas and, uh, and outlooks on what all of this means, not only for his sport, but also for all sports around college athletics and, and what, what coaches can do right now, but also into the future to save the program and to, uh, to, to mitigate, and that's the word we've all heard uh, a lot of lately, to mitigate the damage that all this does to college campuses and, and college athletics around the country. And it's a great conversation, a lot we're going to give you to think about. And again, the purpose of this is to help you to have better conversations with the leaders on your campus and to help you to be in the know more so than other coaches because when you know more, it's easier to execute strategy and develop that strategy uh, by uh, by doing it based on logic and facts. So we're going to get to some of that as well as some really good opinion and outlook from Greg as our conversation uh, kicked off. We just wanted to kind of ask him uh, about what he's hearing from his coaches and his general thoughts of everything that's going on in this uh, crisis and how it's affecting college athletics. I think the reality is starting to set in with coaches. I think we, you know, consider two weeks ago we were hosting a national championship meet that was in the process of getting shut down and everybody was in kind of reaction mode and now people are starting to lift their eyes and say, okay, what what is the longer haul? I think immediately our our goal is to uh, really allow, you know, re- really focus in on student athletes. And I'm proud of our coaches for doing that. Then questions. Our coaches have moved from taking care of immediate needs to really starting to look ahead. We've seen kind of a phase of sudden reaction, disappointment, cancellation of NCAA championships, national championship, to taking care of immediate needs, i.e. our kids, or in some cases travel to get back, but there's still kind of an unknown in there with the Olympics and the Olympic trials coming large. I think now that those are postponed, people are able to start looking ahead with the what the, what future, the future lies, lies for, uh, for, uh, for their, for their team, team, for their for department. Their department. And, and I think I in think some of the conversations, conversations that we've been hearing and, and, and through 
through, through departmental, departmental staff, staff meetings, meetings that, that, that there are certainly there are going to be economic consequences that, that, that affect every level, level of our, of our of schools, schools, every, every, every level, level of institutions. Mm-hmm. The coaches that I'm talking with, Greg, I get the sense just from their tone of voice and their questions that they're a little panicked, which is understandable, but also that they're they're sort of frozen. They're just, you know, uh, things have happened. I'm not sure how to react, what the best way to react is. And, you know, I've started describing that as almost a paralysis, that they're just sort of waiting. And and that's taking the form of I'm just going to binge on Netflix uh, or I'm going to take this time to spend time with my family. And all the while, I think there's a nervousness about what does this mean? What should I be doing? Can you answer that question? Or, or if you had to give a coach, a friend, an advice that that is feeling that way or, a, you know, a swimming coach that is is contacting you for, for that, that, that feedback or that direction, what would you be telling them for the coach that's stuck? Um, I, th- I think it depends on the, the coach really. Cause I think we still have some that have coaching on the mind because that's what they, that's what they've been programmed to do. I think generally speaking, we work with doers, you know, people that take the initiative, people that are active and suddenly they've been, They've had their slate completely cleared in a way that they've never had before. And it's, it's a little unsettling if, you know, we're, we're not people that get bored easily and suddenly we're put into a position where we can be boredom. So I think we've been encouraging our coaches to continue coaching off deck, you know, communicating with your kids. I mean, there, there are lots of opportunities with free time. This is, this is one resource that continually disappears, but all of a sudden we've been given a bunch of it. So you know, we've been encouraging coaches to continue to stay active at some level. Maybe it's reacquainting uh, yourself with your with your spouse. Maybe it's uh, reaching out to that that kid on the team that you, you just never seem to connect with throughout the season. And now, as we like to say, quote unquote, everything's changed. Maybe you have an opportunity to connect with them. It's a really easy time to pick up the phone and just just talk and communicate with alumni, not to shake the trees for money or anything, but just to finally catch up in a way that you never get to other than under the gun of trying to fundraise some money or something along those lines. So, you know, each one of us has things that we never get around to that we would like to, if only we had the time. And and now we have the time. I think as, as we're looking forward and we're moving forward and we haven't done this yet, but it'll be coming out in in our next communications. Um, Well, one thing we're doing in the interim is that we're trying to provide materials for them. We're trying to create whether it's a virtual convention for us, um, just opportunities for coaches to continue to stay engaged with one another in the swimming community, continue to share ideas if they are still coaching virtually or remotely. Um, and I think the, as we we're looking to the future, I think part of it is, is asking coaches to reevaluate everything that they, they do. Um, there's, there's going to be a coming, uh, crisis in the finances of intercollegiate athletics at every level. And coaches need to begin saying, okay, if I'm asked to deal with a 10% budget cut, what, how do I do it? If I'm asked to have a 40% budget cut, how am I going to manage? Um, if you, you want to be able to start asking yourself those questions right now so that you're prepared to deal with it when, when those cuts, cuts do come. come. And that's literally, I mean, as you're saying that, I think that's a great idea. Just running through scenarios. Okay. If, taking the what if and say, how would I 
how would I reduce that or where would I make the cuts? And doing that now while you have time and are able to think about it as opposed to I have three days to turn in my budget uh, is what I hear you saying. Yeah, and this is hitting right at budget season for a lot of these schools. And and so we have we have associate administrators that are are trying to predict for you know, they're trying to forecast and, and you absolutely can't forecast anything right now. I mean it's just you know what but what I do believe is that you can run you can run a very efficient business. And I think every head coach is the CEO of their program. And when I look at just just economic history, and you know that, that I'm kind of a student of this and, and own a small business, the companies that survive recessions are those that operate very lean. They are those that deliver value, and they are those that have effective leadership. And if you're spending money on things that aren't worthwhile, or if you don't have a strategy or a plan, your business goes out of business during, during a crisis. Um, and, you know, I, I'll use an example, and I was just listening to him on, on the news yesterday, but the, during the 2008 financial crisis, Ford was the one company that didn't take a federal bailout, and they emerged so much stronger from the recession than their competitors did because they already had a lean plan in place. They already had effective leadership, and now you're seeing everybody else try to catch up. I think the same holds true with each of our, our programs. If, if you're spending money on things that, that's superfluous, it's it's not going to add value if you're not adding value to your your program you know e- each of our administrators is going to have to make cuts they're not going to look at it in terms of a 10 or 20 percent they might have to look at it in terms of a uh, wrestling or softball or or something along those lines and so you know and this just follows with what we we tell our coaches that you constantly have to add value to your institution and and you have to know what what that value proposition is because it's different. Some places you got to win championships. Some places you got to fill beds. Okay, and so that was going to be sort of the follow up question as you got into that that area of discussion, and I'll just maybe ask you to elaborate on it for the coach that's sitting there and they're thinking, wow, you know, I know that my sport has been one of the ones they've talked about reducing cutting, or I seem to get the bigger budget cuts, or whatever their viewpoint is. And now they're faced, let's say they've listened to what you have said and it's clicked and they said, okay, I'm on board. I'm going to provide more value. And you gave up the, you gave the example, for instance, that if you're at a division three school, you know, you're there to help the school um, with enrollment uh, and some other factors. So what are some other things that from the non-sport side of a coach's life on a college campus, when this gets back to normal and they get back on campus, what should they be focusing on? as a way to provide that value and a way to kind of justify their existence uh, in a college athletic department? I, I think it's going to be a little bit different in, in each situation, again, because there are different expectations placed on every school. But I think first and foremost, and something that, that is something that every coach can do is, is add value to the student-athlete experience. And that student-athlete experience might be helping them win a title or help them achieve their goals, but it's also helping get them through a, a very challenging time. And, and I think that that comes back to benefit us in multiple ways. It's going to benefit you in terms of building a better relationship with the kids that you have on your team so that in when things get back to whatever normal resembles, you're able to coach them more effectively. You're able to build a better relationship. You're able to, to have a lasting impact with them that goes on beyond their four or five years and, and sticks with them for 
40 or 50 years. And really, I think that's why a lot of our coaches get into what they do. It's not to not to win games or championships or things like that. Grad, obviously, that motivates a lot of us, and that motivates what we do, and we're competitive. But it's the relationships that you take with you that keep you in the sport. And I think the you know that also has an impact on the top and bottom line of institutions because if you are in a place where you are there to help drive enrollment, you know what? The first thing that you can do is you can help maintain enrollment. It's not going to be a managed, an issue of ma- enrollment growth. I think I've seen so many schools that, that pursue just trying to get bigger and bigger classes. And knowing what we're facing in terms of there being fewer people that are willing to consider looking at a private institution especially, um, your ability to maintain those kids and keep them on campus because you have the faith and trust of their parents and them, that suddenly adds value to, to your program because now those kids are better equipped when they do get back in a classroom and they are better able to adapt. And again, that comes back to, to maintaining a good relationship with, with the kids on your team. So I think that's the immediate thing. You know, any, any coach, whether you're competing for an NCAA Division One title or you are just struggling to fill a roster, you can add value to your campus, and the start of it comes down to the student-athlete experience and your relationship with them. Right. Talk about also, again, you know, coaches, we're talking about building a program and taking leadership. And, of course, these coaches have teams that are also being affected by this whole situation. And I've asked a couple of other people, what should coaches be telling their current team, and how should they be leading and, and managing and supporting that current team who is also back at home, their seasons were canceled and disappointment and confusion and you know, they're wondering what the future holds. What would you be advising coaches to communicate out to their current team who was affected by this as well? I think telling your coaches to stay engaged with their team, you know, each one of the kids on your team that goes home, you don't want them to become an island themselves or to their thoughts or, or especially if they're cast in. I think we all recognize and value the, the community. I mean, even, even myself, I mean, this, Dan, this, this is a great time to be an introvert. I know, but even I am like, I need to get out of the house. So like I looked forward to PT so much this morning, just so that I could have somebody manipulate my leg and, and put me in pain. Um, but I, I think in terms of maintaining community with your team, and some coaches are doing it in different ways. I mean, we're seeing workouts that are taking place in dry land through Zoom. Um, you know, we're seeing coaches that are, are using this as an opportunity to communicate new ideas to their team. I mean, our coaches are adaptable and they're flexible. And I think that's one thing that they need to be able to share with their team is, is you just, you can't set your feet too much. A, you don't want to stay idle, but two, you don't want to be too inflexible because things are going to change. We don't know how they're going to change. We have some ideas of, of what they might be doing. But, you know, I think being able to equip your kids with those skills, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're trying to prepare kids to do something beyond college. And, and that's where coaching is coaching, whether you're a swim coach or you're a football coach. You know, we're all trying to be competitive, but we're using the medium of sport to be able to do that. And if, if we say that, that sport is, is something to teach us life lessons, well, we've just been given a huge lesson plan to be able to provide to our kids. So I think staying engaged with, with your team is, is something that's really valuable and, and you will, you will develop relationships out of that, that you may not have in the past. 
you certainly know that the kids are communicating when, with themselves. So this, uh, this knocks everybody out of their comfort zone. And once you're out of your comfort zone, it's okay to try and experiment with new things and new right. ideas. In a sense, too, I mean, would you agree that this kind of just for the normal way of doing things, the normal uh, maybe definition that a recruit had of you, your program, your division level, your college, your location, in a way, would you agree this sort of press a, presses a reset button on everything? And in a sense, it almost takes that everybody is more equal now. In other words, they're all they're all dealing with the same problem, whereas before you may have had less of a budget than your competitor or an older facility or whatever the negative was. And now it I kind of get the feeling I'm starting to hear stories of coaches that are being proactive, kind of getting excited because wow, I mean, I'm able to do some things now and have conversations with kids simply because this happened. And we're not trying to, you know, sugarcoat a horrible situation nationally, but when it comes to the job of recruiting and developing a program and team, would you agree that there is some some aspect of this that uh, that takes everybody back to closer to equal, at least for a short period of time here as we go through this? I think if you qualify it with saying a short period of time, then... Yes, possibly. I think, you know, it's interesting talking to some of our coaches. They say that their Instagram game is getting much better. And, and, but, but what that does is that maybe puts them on par with, with the team that already has a videographer and a photographer that they take with them to their championship meet. Um, I don't know how sustainable that is in the long run. I think what's going to, what's going to be revealed is that, 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 Organic communication, organic and genuine, genuine leadership is is going to show through, and that's something that you can express yourself through on social media or through a phone call in a way that you cannot do with just another another meme or another fancy image or video that you put out. I mean, it it, it has to be something that's real and genuine. Um, I think in the short term, yeah, of course, if if we're not allowed to have kids on campus until whenever we're allowed to have kids on campus. Yes, I think that's that's great because, you know, yeah, it does level the playing field. It does mean that the power schools can't just go out and snatch up people's and use up their visits. They, they just, they can't spend themselves ahead of everybody. But I think longer term, I, I do worry about the viability of many of our schools in, in terms of what they are able to provide to, or whether they're able to provide for intercollegiate athletics moving forward. Um, you know, if you, just reading this morning, listening to some some FCS schools that are saying, you know, for us to add another year of eligibility, it'll add a half million dollars to our to our budget. You know, they can't they can't afford anymore, or they can't find any more pay games. You know, to play football and to to cover those costs. Whereas a Power Five program can can maybe withstand that for a year. I think if we, you know, but it, at the same time. Those want, those schools are so dependent on football for their their natural you know their own revenue that I do think that if we're facing the same challenges in the fall, then then it makes everybody equal. I'm just afraid that everybody being equal means that we don't have uh, intercollegiate athletics. Well, that, I mean that's kind of a stark statement, but uh, that's certainly you know one of the possibilities. And that's one of the other things I wanted to ask about is sort of the long range view of all this and what some of your sort of, if, if 
you had to take five, 10 years out into the future, uh, being involved at a very macro level with your association and watching the way intercollegiate sports develops um, and sort of takes different shapes uh, moving forward, what what are you seeing? If you had to predict or give some ideas about what coaches are going to be dealing with uh, five, 10 years from now, what what do you think those are and what what does the state of college athletics look like following all of this? Yeah, it's true. So what are you going to have for lunch in six years? It's probably going to be chicken and carrots like it is every day. But, um, you know, I, that's, that's a, a really tough question because I think college athletics will be a, a, a small part of, of what we do. I mean, and I think a lot of it rests upon how we, how we deal with things today. If you are watching the news, you know, we have, have uh, you know, one camp that's saying we want to start up, we want to start up our economy again right away. And, and there's another part that's looking at saying, hey, we need to take care of this now and then the economy will, will come back. Um, and that's going to drive so much of, of what happens in higher education, which will then affect what happens in intercollegiate athletics. If we have, you know, we're certainly going to see fewer colleges. We will have some that will go out of business. We will see fewer teams. Um, we'll, I mean, those, those are things that I do think that, that we can expect to see. I do think if there is a positive, we'll see less excess in intercollegiate athletics. Um, but, and I think if we emerge from it, if, if we are able to run a pretty tight ship on every campus that we have, we'll probably have a healthier um, intercollegiate athletic landscape because we we will have found schools that that kind of they find their place you know some you know you can there's there's a lot of schools that can pretend to be division one right now um, that get by and they take a lot of heat from it but guess what when now you have 50 percent of your population that takes classes online and they don't want to pay a student athletic fee and they don't really identify themselves as, as kind of, you know, the, the classic student that, you know, four-year undergrad on time. I think that it's going to be a lot tougher for some of those schools to maintain that Division One lifestyle and probably find a way to, to go to Division Two or Division Three. They're going to, you're going to find your, your niche. You just can't be, everybody's too exposed right now. Well, and, and that, I think that's a, a reasonable sort of long-term trend that you've identified because that really it was heading that way even before all of this. Would you agree that, I mean, there were, you know, there were even conference commissioners and athletic directors starting to sort of openly question or float the idea of, you know, do we even, do we need the NCAA? Is there a different form that all of this should take? And you started to see some cracks in this traditional uh, way that everything was put together before this. I mean, and what I hear you saying is that this might just accelerate it or certainly not change the trajectory of things changing as colleges uh, retract and change the way that they offer education and different, uh, you know, colleges having to reclassify the kind of athletic department they they have. Um, I don't know. It just It just seems like it that that change of, you know, it's either, I guess you could look at it as an evolution or uh, de-evolution of, of what it is now. Um, it, it, it continues, it changes. And so five, 10 years from now, coaches are going to be dealing with 
a different structure somehow than they're dealing with now. If that, do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think it, I think what it, what we're looking at is, you know, it's it's a popular phrase in business disruption. You know, if if there if there is a economy that is not if if there's a subset of the economy that's not functioning or if there's a need, somebody will come along and disrupt it. If taxi cabs are inefficient and costly, then somebody like Uber and Lyft are gonna gonna start up and try to challenge them and provide something better. I think we'll, as we look forward in in higher education, you know, I, I have felt for a long while that that intercollegiate athletics is an industry that is is ripe for disruption. Um, it's just been so institutionalized in some ways that that it it really is hard to affect change. And and I will free, freely criticize the the NCAA for plenty of things. But as somebody that also operates a nonprofit that reports to a board, I'm learning that, that sometimes change does take place. As we like to say now, every, everything's changed. Like everything, you know, people are outside of their comfort zone. People are, are willing to think about new ideas. You have the NCAA that just granted spring sports a, another year of eligibility. I mean, that's, that is a pretty monumental change in not just the process. I mean, they, they approve additional years all the time, but the way they did it quickly and the way they communicated it fairly effectively. And I, I've even cited Steve, you know, I commented to Steve Claire with the NCAA, like the communications that you're sending out are so good right now in terms of keeping people abreast of what's going on. But it will, it, this will accelerate disruption in, in areas that need to be disrupted. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the faculty study at, at Eastern Washington about whether or not they should continue to, to remain in Division One athletics. I mean, I think it gets tougher to answer yes when you have student students that don't attend or don't participate or or don't even see themselves as a traditional student. You know, the, the traditional student now takes 20 hours or, or, or works 20 hours, 24 hours outside of the classroom for a job. The typical student now, you know, 37% of them take online classes already and 13% of them take exclusively online classes. So I, I think when you look at the, the, the true gift that we have to participate and engage in intercollegiate athletics, it, it is just that, and it is something that we appreciate. And the motivations for, for being a part of it are, are going to kind of be looked at in a new light. And one of them is gonna be appreciation on, on what I would say is the, the demand side, the coaches and the student athletes. They all wanna get back to, to normal. You know, that suddenly we're realizing what a great opportunity we have, what great community we have throughout the sport. And then I also think that we're going to see it in terms of universities asking tough questions like, why are we investing in this and should we and, and how can we do it? How can we do it better? And coach, that's how we wrapped up our conversation with Greg Earhart. Hopefully that gave you a lot to think about. Uh, some stark realities that uh, that might be coming your way as a college coach and and also some ideas about how to move forward. And look, that's the thing. We've None of us have ever been through this before. This is brand new for college athletics. So everybody is sort of flying by the seat of their pants, but it's helpful to get big picture outlooks from people that are very close to not only uh, the, the larger picture around college uh, sports, but also in touch with coaches and hearing what they're going through. So take the advice, 
do things now to strengthen your program and to look ahead about how you can not only survive but thrive in maybe what will be a new athletic culture around the United States and certainly on your campus. But uh, we've, we've talked about it before when we address big picture things like this. Coach, make an effort and make a vow to be part of the solution on your campus uh, and do that with uh, the information, certainly that we're giving you here, but also uh, all the conversations that you're having with your fellow coaches on campus and around your sport. So that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. A lot more information over at dantutor.com. You can look at the webinars we're leading now to help with uh, help coaches, uh, the different books, resources, the free 15-year blog that we've been doing uh, that goes over a lot of the strategy and research that has helped coaches formulate their approach. Uh, that is all for you to take a look at and use as you get through this. And we want you to. We want to be a support for you. And, of course, you can also click the recruiting tab over on the dantutor.com website and find out how we can work with you one-on-one. We do that with uh, several hundred coaching programs in sports around the country. We would love to talk to you about adding you to the list, especially to help you get through this time and position you well for the future. But with that, I want to thank you for listening. We'll have more episodes releasing soon, so stay tuned. And stay strong out there, Coach. Stay safe and well also. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon again. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2016 through 2020. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or stream us on Stitcher, and make sure to tell the coaches in your department about the show. Email the host at dan at dantutor.com and visit the website to access more of the free resources we give to the college coaching community. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.